it's not only churches, it's people. As I said, people make up. Independent people make up independent churches. So you have to examine yourself. Am I like that? Am I a self-sufficient, carnally-minded Christian, complacent in my religiosity, indifferent to God's standards? Then if that's the case, then you have to see yourself for what Jesus said about you. You're wretched. You don't know it, but you are. You're wretched. You're miserable. Means someone who ought to be pitied. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. You think that you're something when you're nothing. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Today is the last study on the seven churches of Revelation chapters 2 and 3. We're looking at the condition of the church at Laodicea. With strong words coming from the author of the seven letters, Jesus Christ, we will be challenged to examine our own spiritual condition and to take the necessary steps to correct it. The theme of our class today is Jesus Desires Our Fellowship. At the end of our class, I will tell you how you can obtain a CD of the entire message to the church at Laodicea. Now with today's class, here is Pastor Steve. Now let's, let's probe into this and see what he was talking about. The church, this church had a lot of money. It had a lot of money. It was located in a very wealthy city. The city of Laodicea was known for its wealth. In fact, there was a banking center. It was a banking center, that city. It was very wealthy. In fact, the people, the citizens of Laodicea, prided themselves on their riches. They had a, a severe earthquake in the year A.D. 17, which actually devastated the entire city. Now, Rome, the Roman government, offered to rebuild the city but they said, no, we don't need your money. We'll do it ourselves. We have the money with our own resources. So out of their pride, they rebuilt the city. But you see, what this indicated was they were not only wealthy, but there was a spirit of independence that caused them to spurn outside help. We don't want anybody's help. We'll take care of ourselves. And apparently, this very arrogant, proud independent spirit of the citizens of that city contaminated the church. The church became like the city because it believed that it did not need, note this, God's help. They need God's help. They had money and they thought they needed nothing else. That's what Jesus is saying. You say, I'm rich and have become wealthy. How wrong they were, though. They didn't think they needed God's help. Perhaps they assumed that outward prosperity was synonymous with spiritual success, as some churches still do. But the truth of the matter is far different, was far different. Notice what Jesus said in verse 17 about them. They said, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and I have, have need of nothing, not even the Lord's help. They're so independent. But you don't know, he said, you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Folks, there are churches and there are Christians just like that today. They are self-deceived into thinking that they really can live without the Lord in absolute control of their lives. They are self-sufficient. They really don't need anyone but themselves. They are materialistic and they are content with their riches, their social prominence, their social atmosphere. Listen, there are churches especially in the United States, that have lots of money, 
lots of wealthy people going there, social prominence, large membership, intellectual accomplishments, beautiful buildings, and they really don't think they need much else. That's it. They're very content. They are very self-sufficient. Story is told of a man who visited a wealthy church like this, and there was a deacon there in the church who gave him a tour of this church. He showed him around the property. He pointed out the expensive architecture, the the costly chandeliers, the tapestries, the carpets, the pews. And then, then he said to the visitor, you name it, and we have it. The visitor then asked this penetrating question. He said, when did you last have a revival in your church? The deacon replied, oh, some churches have revivals, but we don't need that sort of thing here. That's a church of Laodicea. It's just like that. So it's not only churches, it's people. As I said, people make up, independent people make up independent churches. So you have to examine yourself. Am I like that? Am I a self-sufficient, carnally-minded Christian, complacent in my religiosity, indifferent to God's standards? Then if that's the case, then you have to see yourself for what Jesus said about you. You're wretched. You don't know it, but you are. You're wretched. You're miserable. means someone who ought to be pitied. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. You think that you're something when you're nothing. You have deceived yourself being a comfortable Christian who doesn't realize that you have great spiritual poverty and great needs. And there are churches, as I said, just like this. So what's the remedy for this? What's the remedy? Well, only the Lord can open someone's eyes. And that's why he goes on in telling us the correction for a church like this, and it would fit for individual Christians like this. So he moves from the correspondent, which is Christ, to the condition of the church, independent, lukewarm, self-sufficient, blind, to now correction for the church. Even though the diagnosis is horrendous, there's still hope if only the church will allow the Lord to cure it and it, uh, of its uselessness and its self-sufficiency. So, so what is the cure? What's the remedy? Well, first of all, we read in verse 18, I advise you. Let's stop there. It means this, do it my way. The Lord says, I advise you, which means I'm telling you this is what needs to be done. I advise you, now he goes on to say, to buy from me. And he's going to tell them what they need to get from him. Now, the words are to buy from me, but this is not something you buy with money. This, what he has to say, you, you really, um, you get it through repentance. You get it through admitting your sin. You obtain these by the price of repentance. You can't go out and purchase these with money. So, what do they need from the Lord? What is it? If you're self-complacent, if you're self-sufficient, if you're independent, how is this going to change? Jesus gives the answer here. First of all, he says, I advise you to buy from me, number one, gold refined by fire. They thought that they were wealthy, but they really needed gold refined by fire. Now, he's not talking about literal gold. In fact, they probably had a lot of gold because they were wealthy. But the gold here suggests persecution. 
persecution. The refining of gold is the refining of your faith. Peter speaks of this. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Listen to this. So that the proof, and I said this, by the way, to the suffering church, the persecuted church, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter refers to the testing that and suffering that the church was going through. He compares it to gold being brought through the fire to see if it's real. So the Lord Jesus apparently is telling this church, you're very comfortable. You need to be shaken up a little bit. You need persecution. There's really nobody persecuting you. Why would anyone want to persecute a self-sufficient church? So he said, you need a good dosage of persecution. So you get on your knees and you see your need for me. Persecuted church is a church that's spiritually rich. Persecution is a wonderful thing to to happen. There's purity that comes out of persecution. We've read about that in the church at Smyrna. Persecuted church, and the Lord had good things to say about them. Secondly, he said, you need white garments that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Now, the thought here is that they were clothed in splendor, rich people, people with money, had really nice clothing. But in reality, Jesus said, the way I see you is that you're really naked spiritually. Now, why is he saying that? In the ancient world, nakedness was a sign of defeat. It was the sign of utter humiliation. You go back into the Old Testament, you read passages. 2 Samuel chapter 10 speaks of this, Isaiah 20 verse 4. Nakedness speaks of defeat and utter humiliation. Now, the Lord said, I advise you, to purchase some white garments. White garments appear in Scripture to refer to holiness and righteousness in our behavior, godliness. And I say that because at the end of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 7, speaking of when Jesus comes back, here's what the Bible says about the church. Verses 7 and 8, let us rejoice, this is the marriage of the Lamb, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, that's the church, has made herself ready. It was given to her, that's us, the bride, to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. And now, John explains, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints the righteous acts of the saints. So white garments would then refer to holiness, godliness. A complacent church needs to start living out the standards of Scripture. They need persecution so that they'll fall on their knees, depend upon the Lord, then they need to start obeying. It's time to get out of neutral and drive and stop being ineffective, but hot in your zeal for Christ. Let persecution shake you up and then start applying the word of God to your life. Third, he says, you need eye salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Laodicea was famous for its eye salve, and they had a product that apparently when you put it in your eyes, some powder, it would initially burn, but then it would help you. So famous for eye salve. Jesus had said, you're blind. You're blind to your own spiritual condition. So you need me 
to take care of your eyes, to correct your eyes, to restore vision to your eyes. It may hurt, just like that powder burns when you put it in someone's physical eyes. When I work in your life and give you restored vision, it's going to hurt because you're going to see yourself the way you really are. You see, they needed to see themselves for what they really were, wretched, miserable, needy, lukewarm, carnally minded. So if if you're a lukewarm Christian, then here's what you need to do. You need to ask the Lord to give you persecution. That'll shake you up. Persecution to get you moving out of your complacency. If, God forbid, we are a lukewarm church, then God will send persecution to shake us up. Need to get in the habit of obeying the Lord. Obedience is what he wants. Third, we need to have an honest look at the way things really are, even if it stings our eyes to see ourselves the way we really are. Now, as I said, these things hurt, but they hurt for a good reason. Whenever God works in the life of a church like this or the life of an individual, it's good. And I'll tell you why. Verse 19 says this, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. The reason the Lord rebuked this church and rebukes us is because he loved them. He loves us. The proof of sonship, according to Hebrews chapter 12, is that the Lord rebukes us. He disciplines us. He spanks us. If he didn't love this church, if he didn't love us as believers, he would never deal with us in discipline in our lives. That's what Hebrews 12, 5 and 6 tell us, that whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. If you are not disciplined, you are not a legitimate child of God. If you can get away with sin and you're never convicted, everything is fine, then you're not really a child of God. Now, he tells us, he tells them, and he tells us that he reproves and disciplines those he loves. So he tells us, be zealous and repent of your sin. Forsake your sin. Forsake your sin of what? Being self-sufficient, being independent. Humble yourself and repent of your pride and become hot and zealous instead of lukewarm. So what is the cure for lukewarmness? It's persecution, it's obedience, it's spiritual discernment, it's repentance. But there's also something that the Lord calls us to do. If you're in this condition, this is what you have to do. If we're a church like this, this is what we have to do. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I'll dine with him and he with me. You know, usually this verse is used by Christians to describe salvation. The Lord, we say, is knocking at the door of your heart. He wants you to invite him to come in. And I think that's a good illustration of salvation. I, I wouldn't be picky-youn about that. That that illustrates essentially what salvation means if we understand about repentance and Christ's death on the cross. However, this is not used here. Jesus is not talking about salvation here. He's not saying that at all. He's talking about knocking on the door of a church. The one who brought this church into existence is on the outside of this church knocking and saying, let me in. You have excluded me. You are independent of me. 
You may go through the motions, you may say the right Christian jargon, but I'm knocking, the thought is I'm continually knocking. If anyone in the church hears me knocking, open the door. Open the door and I will come in. You've excluded me. Let me into this church that I might reign over your lives. The encouraging thing is if anyone hears, if any one member of the church hears, then go to the door and let them in. Even if everyone else stays still self-sufficient, it just takes one person in the church who gets hot and passionate for Christ to let him in. And then what happens? He says, I'll dine with you. I'll dine with you. In the ancient Greek world, they had meals like during the day like, like we have. And like we, the, in the Greek society, the last meal of the day, what we would call dinner or supper, was the main meal. It was not to be rushed. It was not a fast food kind of deal. They would sit around, relax, talk, discussion, fellowship, enjoyment. Christ wants each of us to let him in our lives and in the life of our church in such a way that he fellowships with us, that it's a time of relaxation. It's a time to talk to him through prayer and a time to receive his words through reading Scripture. He wants to be the central figure in the life of our church, life of every church, and the life of every Christian, not outside knocking to be let in. How does he knock? When he says he knocks at the door, how would you know if he's knocking at the door of the church or the door of our hearts to come in? Well, certainly it's the word of God. The word of God is sufficient as Scripture would tell us if we're acting independent. If you're, if you're convicted of that tonight, that you've excluded the Lord from your life, you're just kind of doing your own thing without thinking about the Lord, without leaning on Him, without spending time in prayer, if you're convicted of that, it's because the Word of God has convicted you as this has been taught. So He knocks through His Word. He also knocks through circumstances and difficulties. If you're going through a very, very hard time, it is right to say, Lord, Give me wisdom. Am I going through this trial because I've excluded you? Is this discipline in my life? Now, it may not be, but you ask the Lord for wisdom and believe that he'll, he'll give it to you. So we move on. The correspondent to this letter is Christ. The condition of this church is self-sufficient, lukewarm, independent. The correction, all these things, persecution, obedience, see things the way they really are. Repent, let me in to the fellowship of your life. Now he ends with a challenge to the church. Verse 21 says, He who overcomes those believers, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Those who he desires fellowship with, which is every true believer, he invites to share his, his throne and his rule with him. And believers will. We will reign with Christ. But he goes on to really challenge us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says, not simply to this church at Laodicea or to any one of these churches, but to all the churches. What the Spirit says to the churches. Folks, these letters to each of these churches are messages to us. We apply them to us 
Hear what the Spirit says, not simply to the church at Laodicea, but to the churches. This is for us. So you have to examine your heart and ask the Lord, am I independent? Am I lukewarm? Am I self-sufficient? Am I operating on my own wisdom, just plodding ahead in life, not really looking to the Lord? This is one of the reasons why it's so important for us as a body of believers to have these prayer meetings like we had a few weeks ago, and we'll have more of those, where we have an all-church prayer meeting. We don't want to be a church like this. We don't want to be an independent church like this. And we don't want to be independent Christians. You need to have a quiet time every day where you're pouring out your heart to to the Lord. You've got things going on in your lives. Look to Him. Trust Him. Don't exclude Him from your daily activities. And by, by God's grace, let's not exclude Him from the life of our church. That's the challenge. This was a horrible church. We don't ever want to be independent like them. Let's bow for prayer. If you find that you are independent of the Lord, you have to examine your heart, as we said. Are you a Christian who's independent of him? Or are you a non-Christian who's never been dependent on him? Salvation comes about when we depend upon Christ and his death, sacrificial death on the cross for our salvation. If you've never depended on him for salvation, then you need to. But if you are a believer, look at your life. How involved is the Lord in your life, in your ministry? in your family, the way you handle your finances, the way you make decisions, your daily activities, do you look to the Lord? That's the challenge of the church at Laodicea. Don't be lukewarm. That nauseates Christ. Father, thank you for this letter, convicting, Lord, penetrating. I thank you that you are the amen. You are the faithful and true witness Lord, you, you are the one who creates local churches. Thank you for teaching us tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we've had opportunity to go through all seven letters to these seven churches, and surely we've seen ourselves in these churches, and we need to embrace what's good and reject and repent of what's evil. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who is independent of you to the point where they've never actually trusted you, that you'll convict them of their need to trust Christ turn from their sin, and lean on him for salvation. I pray for those of us who do know you, Lord, help us to not be independent from you. Lord, we don't want to to sin against you that way. We don't want to be complacent. If you have to shake us up through persecution, then so be it. But help us to be an obedient people. Help us to see things the way they really are. Help us to see our sin and not simply other people's sin. Help us to see our sin and remove the blind spots that we have that we might not think that we're okay when we're not okay. So I pray, Lord, take your word, apply it to our lives, and help us to change in accordance to your will. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for this series of studies on the letters to the seven churches from the book of Revelation. It has been very helpful to all of us. To listen again to this study, go to our website, www.versebyverseradio.org. You can stream it or download it to share with a friend. There's no charge for this service. Check out the many other studies available to you. And while there, you can sign up for our free podcast service so you won't miss any future classes. To order a CD containing both parts of this study on the church at Laodicea, 
Call us at 727-239-0306. If no one answers your call, leave your name and phone number, and someone will call you back during regular business office hours. That phone number again is 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry. We depend on your faithful prayers and financial support to continue bringing these Bible studies to you on a daily basis. You can donate online by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org, and clicking on the Giving tab. Or call us at 727-239-0306. Until our next class, when we will begin a new series of expository studies by Pastor Steve, thanks for listening. I'm your announcer, Ken Anderson. Ken Anderson.